Hello and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, and this is episode 43. A couple of times before on the show, we've talked about audio description, the process by which the visual world is described for the benefit of people with blindness or visual impairments. I'm fascinated by audio description's combination of technology and the human element. And so once again, we're talking about it today, but from a very different perspective. The podcast Talk Description to Me features audio descriptions of, well, a lot of different kinds of things, as you'll hear, from live events to cultural phenomenon. And I have the host of that show with me today on Parallel, and I want to introduce them to you now. Uh, First up, uh, Christine Malik. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. And J.J. Hunt, the other co-host of Talk Description to Me. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us on. The premise of the show, and tell me if I get it wrong, JJ, you are a professional audio describer and have been doing that for more than 20 years. And right. uh, Christine, you are, at the very least, you're, you're a number of other things. You're a musician, you're a podcaster, but you're also a, are a consumer of audio description. Is that right? Correct. Let me just start by saying that I discovered the podcast very recently because you did, you've not done two of them, but you did an episode about the rioting at the U.S. Capitol. It should also be pointed out that you all are Canadian, but you did a podcast where you essentially took the visuals from the riots at the U.S. Capitol and described them on the show in in great detail. And so that's how I got acquainted with what you do. But you've been doing the show for, for quite some time. So So tell me about talk description to me, what the concept of the show is and how it got started. Talk description to me is, it's filling a gap that we all knew existed, but didn't really realize the extent of until we started to fill it. And that is to describe the visuals of current events. And so we release an episode around once a week, and we take events that are either breaking news stories or ongoing news stories, or it could be just sort of phenomena of daily life. And uh, in a conversational style, we uh, talk about it, and JJ gives his professional audio describers take on things. And so the conversational style is one of the unique things because as a consumer of audio description myself, I always have questions and I like to understand the context of an image. So an image may be described, but we may not understand all of its meaning because there are other things that it references that as a, a totally blind person myself, I won't even click into until I get the the, the sort of deeper analysis that JJ and I are able to to draw out. And so the the it's the podcast itself is a bit of a product of the pandemic. Um, back in the spring of 2020, there was just so much going on uh, in in the world. And I run a few other cultural programs uh, for blind adults in in Toronto, Canada, where we both live. And I asked JJ if he would be willing to spend some time talking in a sort of public venues about the visuals of COVID. What 
is it like to look at empty streets? And what is it like to see businesses closing? And what is it like to see people in masks? And uh, lots of visuals around that. And I think that just got us both talking and thinking, and then events kept happening faster and faster in the world. And uh, we've been friends for for years and have a great rapport already. And so the idea of the podcast really, uh, it came, it started with that as a catalyst. But then JJ said, I think we could build with this and build on this. And so we decided on a rough format. And uh, we actually dove in hard because our very first episode was a description of the George Floyd video. And so I think we both kind of finished it and and just sat there stunned for a minute and said, what what did we just do? And it, it didn't take us long to realize the import and the impact of of what we were doing. And so all of our content isn't that heavy. It's not all intense in that way, but we don't shy away from the hard stuff. And we definitely have come to appreciate uh, the gap that we are trying to fill for the blind and low vision community. And just to make it clear, you're not playing along the video in your episodes. You're describing, the, if it's a video, it's not always a, a, a literal video. You're not creating something that people who are familiar with audio description from movies or TV show would recognize as a program that has a description track. You are simply sitting together and describing what JJ sees and allowing Christine to ask questions and get clarification and all that sort of thing. That's right. That's right. This isn't, it's not really pure audio description. It's description rich conversations is how we usually bill it. Because, you know, we, we try and take that audio description mindset. If, if I'm given an, a, a description project by a museum or gallery, here's some, here some pieces of art, some photographs uh, or a, a TV show or something. I'm, what we try and do is take that mindset, take that approach to the content and and, and start with that. So we might do a description of a video, not while the video is playing, but talk about the visuals in it, talk about how the video unfolds, how it, how, how it plays out. And then we'll get into the conversation. And Christine will ask some questions to clarify a few things. And then and then we'll get into, you know, I, I heard you referencing uh, this particular outfit that someone was wearing. Is, are there any, you know, does, does that have a history? Is there any context there? And that's how the conversation unfolds. So it's very description rich. It starts with an idea with the audio description uh, concept and mindset, but it goes beyond that. We're kind of we're kind of just pushing the boundaries a little bit on what is audio description. That ability to talk back essentially to audio description seems like one of the most unique aspects of what you do because most of the time, whether it's in a museum or on a television program, people get the audio description that they get and they don't have the opportunity unless they have somebody with them who has sight to say, that's great, but can you tell me more? Tell me more seems like a big part of what you guys do. It's a huge part. And I feel so lucky because I can ask those questions when I hear something that there's there's parts of it that are still opaque. I can ask the questions. And in in some way that that was also part of the beginning of the podcast, having an audio describer as a friend, you know, it's, it's a bit convenient. So we, we'd be joking around and laughing and talking about stuff. But I would I would say, oh, well, what's what's that about? And then he would tell me and I would think this pure gold is only going to me and it should be more widely available to other other curious people like me. And uh, so the, I feel 
uh, I hope that in the podcast, part of my role is to be uh, a member of the blind community who's asking the questions. And so I, um, I'm essentially have always been totally blind. So I come from that perspective. And so there are sort of gaps in our knowledge of the world. So when, you know, for example, we did uh, talked about fire tornadoes and I was able to take the step back and say, can you please describe a, a standard tornado? Because that was a gap that existed for me. So it's, I feel like it's a rare privilege. And uh, I think it's, I feel really good that this is something that even though not every single blind or low vision person is getting their questions answered, there is a context within which questions are being asked and answered by a professional describer. Yeah. And we do take lots of questions uh, from listeners. Uh, We take questions on Twitter. We have people sending us emails. And so obviously, Christine's curiosity is at the heart of the show. But then, you know, we take those questions that uh, that audience members give us. Christine builds on those and we can have full episodes based on uh, the questions of our audience, which is fantastic because we're, you know, uh, as Christine says, she's uh, she doesn't have any visual memory. Some people do. And they ask us questions that relate to their visual memories. We did an episode um, on September 11th, uh, uh, for example, and that was one where some people wrote in and said, "I remember it, and and I'd like to, I'd like to, re- I'd like to go through that again." Can you describe those visuals? And some people said. I, I never saw that, and and I and I think I'd like to know. And so we're able to 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 describe those events, describe those videos, um, and and try and and answer questions, both Christine's and uh, you know from our listeners as well. There's an interesting feedback that we've gotten as well from some partially sighted people who say. I didn't realize what I was missing because I thought I was looking at the visuals of this event or that event. But when you describe them, I realize I was missing a whole lot of things. And so I'm coming at this from one my own particular perspective. But we always try to keep in mind that there, our listeners come from a lot of different visual acuities. And sometimes it's not even a visual issue that makes them interested. They, they may have other processing uh, perspectives that make them want to hear audio description. So I, as much as I feel fortunate to be the one asking the questions, I do try to keep in mind that our listeners are coming from a lot of different perspectives. One thing that you do, at least in a couple of the episodes I've listened to, the riots at the Capitol one and the one that you just published about the inauguration of the United States president, is that you create essentially a geography. You say this is the size of the physical environment in which these things are happening, and these are the parts of it, whether it be grandstands or troops or arrangements of chairs or whatever. And that's pretty unusual in description as well. It it creates a sense of place that I don't think people, and and I'm keyed on that because you you talked about low vision uh, listeners, because I'm in that situation too, where I might be able to see people in a close-up but I don't necessarily understand the bigger picture of the context of the video because usually you're focused on a small portion of the frame. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I've, I've had the uh, experience of describing uh, several different kinds of live events, in, not for podcasts, for other things. Like uh, I've described the Pride Parade, for example, live and in person, uh, described the, the Pan Am Games. And sometimes as a describer, you're lucky enough to be on site and you are describing 
describing the world that you see. And when that is your frame of reference as a describer, you can describe the event as a whole. You can look around at the Pride Parade, for example, and look up at the apartment buildings and people leaning out over their bal- their balconies and shooting confetti cannons. And, you know, you can describe the, the, the scene as a whole. Sometimes in those events, you're describing a television feed. So the TV feed comes into your monitor, you've got a microphone, you just describe what is coming through that feed. And hey, listen, like that access is fantastic. It's wonderful and I'm so glad it exists. But what that means as a describer is you're just describing what the camera operator is showing you. You have less of an opportunity to build in that mapping, right, that you're talking about, to to actually get the lay of the land and to piece together a story for someone who doesn't interpret the world visually. And that's a, it's a real treat to be able to do that. And we get that chance on this podcast. It's a, it is a fantastic opportunity for me as a describer. I love being able to do that. And I think it does, it gives people something that they don't normally have access to, it's a, which is just fantastic. It's also a time issue as well. So that, JJ, when you're describing um, even a parade in real time or uh, something, a movie or a TV show, there's limited time to say all of the things. And in this podcast, I do the editing. And the hardest part, hands down, is cutting out content. I hate doing that. And so we try to keep our podcast to a roughly standard length. But everything JJ says is valuable. And um, it we, we have a standing joke that we talk about what we'll cover and JJ will say, well, we'll, we'll do this and that. And that'll only take five minutes. And I just go, uh-huh. Cause it never takes five minutes. You need and a director's because, cut or you need a longer show. Yeah, well, that's right. we, we've considered options. We really have, because uh, there's always so much more to say and to talk about. And so the first thing I cut out is my own observations and then some of my questions, but the, the JJ's content is just, it's always so great. And that's one of the strengths is that we're not constrained to the time time allowed. We, within our own sort of self-imposed constraints, we have time to ramble off and, and talk more about one particular thing or give more time to something that we think needs more time. JJ, given that you have a self-imposed time limit, how do you think about what are the most important things to get said? And obviously it varies quite a bit with the content, but are you editing yourself as you're describing before before you ask questions, which obviously is going to add to the information that you're able to get out? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, 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 I start with uh, kind of the rules of audio description and, and the method of the, that all audio describers use. You know, you got to get the people, you got to get the place, and you got to get the things that they have that are important to whatever story it is that's going to unfold. And so you got to get that information out there, which was why when we did our inauguration episode, we started with the mall. That We were going to be referencing so many different elements of the mall. It made sense to let, you know, let's, let's get the geography down, right? Let's place that. And and you got to make sure that the people are described accurately and and evocatively and and in this podcast we have a little bit more leeway we can we can have a little bit more fun and be a little bit playful in our descriptions and our descriptive conversations so you know we, then then we get into the people and if there's something that they've got with them a thing like <laughs> with the Bernie Sanders memes that are going around right now you got to get those mittens if you don't get those mittens in the description of Bernie Sanders the whole meme falls flat so <laughs> those are the kinds of things I, I get I, I try and get in first and then 
after that, it's about the context. And that's where I've got some ideas of what I think the important pieces of context are, because I have a different visual memory and I and I can draw on pop culture that I've seen and I can draw on fine art that I've seen and, you know, and historical uh, documents and all sorts of things. But it's that's really about Christine's questions. What's interesting to her? It's really important as a describer to remember that my point of view isn't uh, isn't the one we need to be focused on. What we really need to be focused on as describers is the point of view of the description user. And so we're in a perfect position with this conversational podcast for Christine to be able to ask those questions tell me what's important and then I can answer those questions. So that's kind of how the, that those are my priorities as I'm trying to describe really anything that we do on the show. And then Christine, the reverse of that question for you, you're putting together questions based on the things that you're curious about, but are you also trying to stand in for other listeners in a way? Yes. And uh, so for example, one thing I think about is, color. And so when JJ describes things, I might ask about the colors of something and I have no uh, visual experience with color. So I'm personally just not that interested in it, but I understand that uh, lots of our our listeners do care about that. And so um, I'm trying to think of things uh, from that perspective. And sometimes we will frame a topic uh, with some historical context. And that may be uh, some content that I already know about and that JJ knows about, but uh, keeping in mind a broad listenership, uh, we will frame material uh, in, in its historical or cultural context in a way that makes it more comprehensible for, for all of our listeners, we hope. Let's talk some about the topics you've chosen to cover, and we've we've mentioned a few of them. And tell me if I'm wrong, but it does seem like you skew toward current events, whether it be politics or cultural events. What goes into making the choices you do about what you want to podcast about? We have a few criteria. Definitely breaking news is our essential goal is to be covering things that are really current. Um, But another piece is, are there visuals in that event that are noteworthy? And sometimes that's true and sometimes that isn't. So in current events, the ones we cover tend to be the ones with visuals that are being widely shared and widely discussed. We draw a lot of our content from listeners. We really welcome listener suggestions. Um, and sometimes it's it's personal, what we particularly like. So I, for example, am a big space and astronomy buff. So we've done a few episodes on uh, space and astronomy content um, in part because I love it. But I know we have <laughs> lots of listeners uh, who do as well because we get we get great feedback on that. Um, JJ, what else can you can we say about how we pick our topics? Well, yeah, I mean, current events for sure. But and current events are sometimes news events, but sometimes what's current and what's being discussed and what's being thrown around on social media isn't so much news. It's just stuff, right? Like uh, uh, when there was a the the TikTok feud, uh, the Conway TikTok feud, uh, Claudia Conway and her mom uh, going at it. We covered that. Um, uh, when 
the uh, aurora borealis when the northern lights were coming down quite low we thought oh this is a great opportunity let's cover that when the the space launch when spacex was launching that was news for us that was fantastic so sometimes it's breaking political news sometimes it's like we're all in zoom meetings right now is this a listener asked us like what does a zoom meeting look like so we did a whole episode on zoom on on the look of zoom funny things that happen on zoom zoom fails uh how to use the, the or not not so much how to use but what the features are that sighted people use on zoom like the uh you know backgrounds the, the, the glo- and brady bunch squares Ex- and exactly <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Because that's important. JJ did quote the Brady Bunch squares. Did you listen to that? <laughs> no, no, but it's the first thing I, with people I was in Zoom meetings, I, I became aware of that like almost immediately. It's like, oh my God, I'm Alice right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all of those things fall into uh, current events, right? Any, if there's something that is linked to the moment, we try and cover that. And if there's nothing that's particular about the moment, there's nothing that's going on. There hasn't been there have been that many weeks of late where something pretty major hasn't gone on. But then we go to something fun. Like so we had a listener ask us about jazz hands. <laughs> she didn't know what jazz. She kept hearing people refer to jazz hands. She said, what is it? What are jazz hands look like? Like, all right, let's do that. So we did an episode on on common gestures and, and using your hands. So, uh, you know, how do you flag down a taxi? You know, what's the gesture you use to ask for the bill? What do jazz hands look like? And we just had a ball doing that. We laughed and laughed and laughed. It was so great. That's such a good idea. I uh, I had to have my husband explain to me what shooting the finger was. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that really young. Right? <laughs> I mean, he had to like physically show me. Yeah. Just, I, I, <laughs> That's no, right. I get it. I get it. Like, all right. And, and, to, and to me, as someone for whom that gesture doesn't mean anything visually, I'm always tempted to just do it randomly, but I feel like probably to beat up. I don't recommend that. Let me know how no, it goes. I don't though. either. I just it's it's fascinating to have something that has cultural resonance for somebody else, but that it doesn't for it's you. It's meaningless for you. I know. Right. I know. It's it's just like going to another culture and they have do's and don'ts as as we all do in our own cultures and you wouldn't want to do those things because that's rude if you know better than to do them but but it's still weird culturally (laughs) well we were talking about one of the gestures we talked about was the what was it called jj where you said it came from a strip club culture and it was like the 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 money money yeah that's right the 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 doling out the money uh um, where you 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 slap one hand over an open palm so you put you take one hand palm up and then you take your other hand and you swipe across it and it's like you're flicking money uh, and it, it comes from uh, the strip club world where you would be showering someone with money. So JJ's describing this and I'm I'm kind of miming and going, OK, all right, I'm, I get it. But like, put this in context. Could I do this to my brother? Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. I didn't understand what it meant to do that. You know, giving someone the finger, that's clearly sort of vulgar and in your face. But this money thing, like, can I do that to my brother? I, I don't know. Help me out. I don't know. So there's so much. Co- right. You're is right. It it's like another is language. Is suggestive in any way? I mean, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So it is. It's like another language. And so when we talk about those things, we did one on um, pictographs, like when you're traveling and you see like a picture of a knife and fork or the signs on wash room doors like the, the information that's communicated without words with images and so it is it's like another language and uh, we're sort of peering at it and, and trying to understand it 
I have one for you if you haven't done it. You should do uh, what what dance steps mean. What's the moonwalk? What's the robot? Oh, dance steps. <gasps> Great. People will say, oh, I saw so-and-so was doing the robot. Me too. And I have to go look up on Google to figure out what that is. The moonwalk. I still don't have a clue about that. (laughs) Oh, I like that. You know, I I just actually. And why is the tango so sexy? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that that I actually get. Even my limited vision. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, JJ, JJ will explain. We'll talk, right, we'll talk later. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it sounds like you're mixing in enough of those sort of cultural touchstones and, and whimsical things so that the current events don't bog you down so much because there have been an awful lot of heavy, heavy current events. Oh, for sure. <laughs> this last few weeks, you know, we ended our year, we ended 2020 with a live episode where we recorded, we had uh, we had um, uh, listeners and, and friends and fans come in and join us in a Zoom call and people asked questions directly. It was a lot of fun. And then we took that content and Christine pared it down into two episodes and we aired the first one as the last episode of 2020 and the idea was going to be that the the first episode of 2021 was going to be part two and we haven't been able to air it yet because there's been so much stuff going on big stuff heavy stuff riots and oh my goodness so we have that episode that's still waiting we're hoping next week we have a chance to finally air it because you got to mix it up a little bit if, if if it's too heavy um and and, and it's heavy for us it's heavy heavy for the listeners it's heavy for everyone if you could have an opportunity to, uh, to 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 make things a little bit lighter to take a bit of a breath every once in a while it's it's better for everyone for sure and JJ has talked before and we he and I have talked about it and I've heard JJ describe it as well that um, describing an image and listening to the description of an image is somehow more nitty gritty and difficult than it would be to sort of peer at it between your fingers visually because um jj maybe you should explain it because as a sighted person and a describer you could do a better oh it is tough yeah we so that when you're when you're watching something if you're watching something that's terrible and you kind of can't take it anymore you can you can look away you can glance away as chris says you can kind of peek through your fingers and you can't quite do that with something that's that's being described to you. It's, you, you can't, it, it's almost impossible to lower the volume and, and half participate. And so it's intense to hear these things and you can't sneak something in. You can't, it's hard to be subtle in an audio description. So everything you talk about has weight. Everything we describe has weight and it's, it's weighty for the listeners and it's weighty for us too, you know. When when we do some of those heavier descriptions of, uh, you know, the George Floyd video or the, uh, the 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 Capitol Hill mob, there were moments in those descriptions where it was. I mean, it's it's very emotional to have to watch that footage over and over and over again and compose a description that is accurate, both technically and emotionally appropriate and. And then to, to have to say it in a way that is relatively neutral, appropriately neutral, and it, 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 it's weighty. It really is. And so we have to, you know, sometimes we'll finish an episode, we'll log off, and, and I know we're both going to go on a walk. We're, gonna, we're, we're each going to leave our houses and go on a nice calming walk because the content's just been so intense. 
I was going to ask you about that in terms of neutrality, objectivity, whatever terminology you, you like. I am a journalist in my day job, so I think a lot about how to explain things in a way that is, if not objective, at least provides an understanding that does not take into account my personal subjective opinion any more than is necessary. And I'm wondering, and you're not a journalist, you're, you're a describer, you want to be accurate, but how do you approach either gray areas in what you're seeing where it's either it's unclear or where somebody might have a very strong opinion one way or another? Yeah, it's a very good question. And we talked an awful lot about this, especially at the beginning, but it's these are ongoing conversations. Um, there's a there's a, a, a neutrality to audio description that's not dissimilar to uh, a journalistic objectivity, right? W- when you're describing something, the idea is to provide the uh, the description user with the information so that they can build their own picture. They can paint their own picture. And if if I as a describer am imposing too much of my own opinions uh, in you know on my description, then that's harmful. That's that's not that's not where we want to. That's not our starting point, right? The thing is, we have to understand. And Christine and I, the one of the very first things we did, episode number one, we said who we were. We said where we were. You know, I'm a white guy from Toronto, Canada, and this is this is an important piece of information for you to have as a listener, so that you know that's where I'm coming from. And Christine did the same. She identified herself so that people knew who we were and where we were coming from. We try to be appropriately objective and neutral, but there are times and moments where that's just not appropriate. There are things we've been watching these last few years that have been so egregious that neutrality becomes um, really objectionable, you know, to be, to try and be too neutral in, uh, when faced with some of the egregious actions that we've, uh, we've witnessed. uh, It's, it's, it's not appropriate. And so we, we're, we're, we are in constantly in conversation about that. How do we handle this? How do we deal with that? Are we hitting the right tone for this? It's, uh, it's hard, but it's important. I would imagine also that in, in a situation like the Capitol riot, where you're not looking at a single video that is a narrative, but you're, you're picking and choosing which videos and images you want to describe. You have a point of view whether it's a point of view about the politics of it or just a point of view in terms of these are the images that are most compelling. And I guess I wonder how you make decisions about when you're when you're talking about a complex episode like that, how you make those decisions. Is it based to some extent on what are the images that are the most talked about or, or do you start there or somewhere yeah, else? It's folly to pretend like we are not Uh, the ones who are choosing what we're describing, you know, like we are just by virtue of that exact thing that you pointed out, we're selecting the videos, we're choosing the pictures. Um, So we, we do our best. Like I'm thinking of an episode we did on political cartoons. Um, I did my best to kind of get a a real good scan of what was going on. Uh, Who's doing political cartoons on the far right, the far left, the center right and left, who, what political cartoons are available in different parts of the world, because I have a social media bubble like everyone else does. And I, I, I I do my best to break out of that and push um, in, you know, and and make sure that we're we're trying to cover um, broadly whenever possible. But some images just rise to the surface. Some 
videos are the, are, the, are the videos that are being shown. And so when that's the case, that's what we talk about because they are being passed around an awful lot. I will say when we did the the episode on um, on the political cartoons, the editorial cartoons, th- there were places I just wasn't willing to go. I, I was seeing some cartoons, some uh, sketches that were so horrific. I thought I don't I don't care if if there's some notion that it should be part of the conversation because it's, you know, even if it's not my political leanings, I should be talking about it anyway. At some point, you know, Christine and I just said, I don't want to look at those. I don't want to promote those. Um, And that's where we drew that line. But uh, we did our best to be broad and then and take a look at the uh, at the images that that were rising to the surface, the most common ones, the ones that have the most tweets and retweets and whatnot. We try and pay some attention to that as well. Christine, are you, as a part of your contribution to the discussion of what you're going to describe, are you curious about things or finding things that maybe JJ is a sighted person? doesn't necessarily bring to the table? what what are, what are the things that you may maybe care about? particularly because you're a blind person? Ooh, that's a great question. (laughs) I think things like pictographs and nonverbal communication um, are things that JJ wouldn't have gone to immediately as, hey, this would be cool. Um, Maybe things like, so there's some ideas we have sort of in in the back of our mind that we haven't done yet. But so, for example, um, cities that take advantage of their geography. So Venice, for example, or cities on the Nile Delta. How how does geography play in there? And for sighted people, I think those are images they've seen so many times that it's kind of a non-issue. Like if you ask them, they'd say, oh, yeah, they do this or that thing. But for me as a blind person, I don't actually know how those things play out. Or um, another one is... ASL and not how to do it, but what is it? The, what is the overall perception when you're watching someone do ASL and you don't understand it? You're just watching the gestures. What you know? What is the impression that you get? And so, my questions tend to be about those things. And then within specific issues, I often go to the completely non-journalistic question. How does it make you feel when you look at that? And that's not a describer question. That's not an objective question. That's me wanting a bigger context for things in the world. So the extremes, such as I asked that when we talked about the Northern Lights, I asked that when uh, we were talking about the look of the Capitol before the inauguration. And so how certain images make you feel is a question that I can't really answer as a blind person. So I think it's those kinds of things that a sighted person takes for granted, but uh, someone who's blind or low vision can't take for granted. I think those are the spaces where my questions uh, come from. And then it's sometimes that's really when our, our conversations become less objective and less neutral, but not in a bad way, just in a way that makes things more human. JJ, as somebody who's been describing for a long time, but obviously in different contexts and probably for people who have said 
this is the thing I want you to describe, my museum, my play, my, my movie, whatever it is. Does, does doing description in this format and doing things that you've chosen to describe yourself change the way you do it? Or has it given you insights that you didn't have before? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I learned so much doing this. Um, you know, it's easy as a describer to get caught up in the idea, especially if you've been doing this for a while, like, I know. Like, I know what needs to be described. I've been doing this a long time. I know what's important. And the fact is, I don't. Um, it, it's it's not, it should never be a describer's point of view. It should always be from the point of view of the description user. A story I love to tell is uh, I was doing a, a walking tour. Christine was on. And we were going through downtown Toronto. We were talking about some infrastructure, some beautiful buildings. And Toronto had just gotten new streetcars. And streetcars are a big thing in Toronto. And so I had this beautiful description of the old streetcars and the new streetcars and that I was I was gonna I was gonna unfold, right? So I, we got the group to the right place. I waited for the streetcar to go by so that we had that like almost like a sound cue of the streetcar rolling by. And then I said, I'm going to tell you about the streetcars. So the streetcars, they're connected to the wires that are overhead. And here's what the streetcars look like. And someone said, oh, excuse me, pardon me. The streetcars are connected to overhead wires? And I said, yeah, yeah, there's like this pole with a with a wheel on top of it, and it's connected to the electrical wire that's overhead, and there are cross wires that hold up that one electrical wire. That's how the infrastructure works. But the streetcars, they're beautiful, and someone else said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying there's a grid of wires over our heads right now? And I luckily had the good sense. Go back, go that's back. right. Like, wait a minute. I think the story is about the shiny streetcars. I need to listen and hear that the actual interesting story here is about the grid of wires over our heads. And so I was smart enough to shift the shift my description. And that's what ha doing this podcast with Christine every week does for me, is it, it shifts, it reminds me of what's important, it teaches me new things that I didn't realize were important, and it shows me where my gaps are as a describer, where I maybe get a little too confident, and, uh, and the number of things in the world that I drop in as a reference that maybe not everyone gets. It's really Really super important. I was going to ask a snarky question about whether Christine, whether JJ has sort of uh, tells or quirks about the way he describes that you're like, oh, that's a JJ Schlumpy? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> oh, he invents words. Yeah, yeah, he definitely invents words. It's lovely. And the funny thing is, this this most recent episode, he used slunked. <laughs> I think it's, okay. it's a combination of slouched and, and hungered or something. I would just believe it was a Canadian. Yeah, 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 told me. Well, see, now, it's now, now we're really, yeah, we're really going deep here because, well, it's happened before where he did it. And literally it was the fifth time I'd heard this particular piece of audio because I was editing and it was by the fifth time I went, wait a second, that's not a real word. But he does it so smoothly and so suavely and just slides it in. No hesitation. Just come out big. And I'm not I'm not convinced he knows he's doing it at the time. But he'll invent words and they'll just be so smoothly integrated that you're not even sure. Like, you don't, you could almost miss it because it's so perfectly done. That's right. You just want to believe it because you, you, you trust him. You trust him. He usually says things that make sense. Totally. He's got a great vocabulary. So if he's making it up as he's going... He's, you know, he's convincing enough that if, you know, either you catch it and you go, OK, that's cool. I get it. Or you don't even notice it because it's so appropriate. <laughs> 
Well, I, I want to thank you, uh, JJ and Christine, for coming on Parallel and telling us all about your delightful show, uh, which I'm going to listen to the back catalog of almost immediately. I've only listened to about four episodes, so I've got a while to go. But before I can let you go, I have to ask you the crucial one more thing question. And today it is this. If you were able to have one voice from history, from a celebrity, from the love of your life, whoever it might be, if you could have one voice describing things in your ear, whose voice would it be? JJ, how about you? Mm. Okay, so years ago, I was traveling uh, in Beijing, and I went to the Forbidden City, and I got the audio guide. And strangely, the audio guide was narrated by Roger Moore. And I found it so bizarre to be walking around in Beijing at the beautiful Forbidden City, the Imperial Palace, and have Roger Moore's voice in my ear. And that kind of got me on a jag where I thought, what hilarious voices, incongruous voices would work. And I thought, you know what, Sean Connery would be pretty fantastic in a, in a bizarre, you know, in different places like, welcome to the Forbidden Shitty. And I thought, like, that would be a great <laughs> voice as you're walking around town, like, you've now entered the Delicatessen. You know, like, <laughs> it would be great. So maybe I'll go with uh, with the late, great Sean Connery to have him in my ear. There you go. Christine, how about you? Uh, my answer is also travel related. Um, on Air Canada back in the before time when we used to travel, the safety videos were narrated by this woman. And I don't have a name, but she had the most buttery beautiful, reassuring voice. And she would just coo along and she'd be giving you information in the most lovely way. And you felt so good. And so <laughs> if a voice like hers uh, could talk audio description in my ear and it would just become part of my brain waves. Wonderful. Would you get it in English and in French? Because it's Air Canada. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, nice. Just have everything described in French, especially difficult things that might be hard right. to hear. It's <laughs> much nicer if there's a, a cooing French Canadian voice in your ear, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I'm going to cheat and not answer the question, but I'll, I'll tell you the following story. I have a friend who had a background in radio and television then en ended up doing podcasting, and he once got a gig, and he said he was uh, doing announcements for a train system in Switzerland. I've never been to Switzerland, <laughs> but I desperately want to go and hear my friend <laughs> announce trains in Switzerland. Wow, that would be amazing. Oh, that's a great I mean, I don't gig. know how he got that job or how many languages he had to speak, because in Switzerland, you must have that's any right. language, you yeah. know, French and German and English and probably a couple of others. I don't oh, know. that's a great but, gig. Uh, that would be surreal. That would be really odd. Especially if you knew the person. Yeah, that's Wouldn't what that I mean. Crazy? Yeah, yeah. You're just like, oh, wait, I know that guy. Scott says to get off in Zurich. <laughs> All right. I better cool. do that then. <laughs> well, well it's, this has been really delightful, and I want to heartily recommend the Talk Description to Me podcast, but before I uh, send you away, I want to ask each of you to just talk about uh, what else you're doing on the internet, where people can find you if they're interested in your work. JJ, how about uh, you? So uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter at uh, hey, hey, double J. Uh, that's hey, hey, and then D-O-U-B-L-E-J. And uh, uh, the talk description, uh, we have a Twitter feed. We have a uh, uh, a website. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, any any episodes coming up, Chris, that we should uh, let people know about? Yeah, let's talk about those future episodes. So I'm really excited about one that we're posting in a couple of days. Um, it's about the TikTok sea shanty phenomenon. And I'm a 
big fan of sea shanties. Oh, I'm so excited you're doing that. Oh, That's you great. Wait. I don't want to give too many spoilers, <laughs> but we really had fun. We just really, and I just needed it so badly. I, I said, JJ, please, can we just do something lighthearted? Because everything's <laughs> been so intense everywhere. And so it's it's six minutes and 10 seconds of pure joy. That's all <laughs> I'll say about that. Excuse me, I have to go subscribe immediately. <laughs> please so do. That. that sounds delightful. And and Christine, where can people find your your other projects online? Uh, I have a Patreon page. So uh, Patreon is a crowdfunding kind of subscription. And so uh, I'm a musician. Uh, and if you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Christine Malik. Uh, that's where a lot of my music can be found. And I also do a segment each month on Accessible Media International on Kelly and Company called Curious Minds. And that happens on the third Thursday of each month. So I'm also on Twitter at Christine Malik and uh, I'm on Facebook or anyone can reach me through uh, talk description to me at gmail.com or from our website talk description to me.com. You can find more about this podcast at relay.fm slash parallel if for some reason you're not subscribed. Also at Parallel Pods on Twitter. I also will usually answer if you get in touch with me directly on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.